Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're with us. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Whether you're joining us here in the room uh, or online, we're glad that you're here. And uh, if you are here in the room, uh, you just heard that little heater thing kick on, so it should warm up a little bit now. Uh, I was hoping the regular furnace would, would uh, kind of catch up with us, but it hadn't quite. So uh, all of you at home are like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's nice and toasty here. So, Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, God, that you invite ordinary messed up folks like us to, uh, to worship you, to ascribe worth and, and glory and honor to you. We get to pour our hearts out in thanks to you for all that you have done for us, all the grace that you have given us, all the love you have shown, all the strength you have given, the wisdom, God, the healing, everything, God. You are our source of life. You are our source of strength. You are our source of hope. Thank you that when everything around us looks bleak, uh, when everything around us seems uncertain, we don't have to wonder about your love, about your grace, about your presence, about your power that's at work in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you for helping us to live in this world confident, confident in all that you have for us, all that you give to us. God, you know that sometimes we don't we don't feel real confident. I mean, sometimes we are, we're barely hanging on. And there might be some of us uh, gathered here today who are feeling that. And today, the most honest thing we can say is just, please, help. We're reaching out, hoping, God, that you, uh, that you hear us. Hoping that you can do something about the circumstances that we face. That you can heal the what is broken, that you can comfort us in our grief, that you can guide us through the the uncertain future that lies ahead of us. Thank you, God, that over and over and over again, you have shown yourself faithful, that when we cry out to you, when we find ourselves sinking and we reach out to you, you are there, you you grab our hand, you, you, you lift us up, you strengthen us, you guide us, you help us, you forgive us. Today, God, I pray you'd help each and every one of us to experience your grace, to to experience a sense of your closeness with us. Help us, God, to know the love of our Heavenly Father who has loved us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on that cross for us and, and to rise again to defeat the powers of sin and death and the devil so that today we can have confidence in you and your ability to tackle any situation we might be facing. Today we can live with with confidence, with hope, because of you. Thank you, God, for showing us this amazing love in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, now, we're not to the place where we're wandering around and greeting each other, uh, but do take a look real quick and see somebody over there that you're like, oh, hey, I didn't see you. You walked in while we were singing. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to getting back to us, uh, getting a chance for a couple minutes there to, to just meet and greet and, and shake hands and all of that good stuff. But uh, we'll get back to it someday, I imagine. I hope. Whew, man. Hey, thank you, Highsaw family, for leading us uh, musically this morning. That was great.
we deeply appreciate your, uh, your willingness to share your, your gifts, your, whole, your family with us. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's see. Just a couple of announcements real quick before we get into the message. Oh, let me see what I got up here. Um, if, you are, uh, if you're interested and, uh, well, if you're in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards back there. Let us know you're with us and, uh, and reach out to us. Would you like your phone? Oh, okay. Here you go. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, if it rings, I wouldn't know what to do with it partway through the message. So, uh, yeah, feel free to let us know that you're that you're with us. Uh, how we can pray for you, how we can be thanking God with you, any of that stuff. Grab one of those little green cards and just drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well. Or any of us, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching at home, uh, you can go to livinghope.info/connect. There's a little digital connect card there uh, that you can fill out, and uh, we would love to hear from you, be able to pray with you, thank God with you, uh, whatever it is that you want to let us know about. Uh, we would love to to connect with you in that way. And then also you can go online to livinghope.info slash give, and, uh, and you can give right there. And uh, if you're doing that, uh, well, first, just thank you to all of you. It is, it is so much fun to pastor a generous church of people who, who, uh, who love to give, not just to support the, the daily ministries of this church and the work that we support around the world, but to support Habitat for Humanity. Uh, this last week... Um, we were still like $1,000 shy. I don't remember actually what our total was last week. But you guys blew past our, our goal, our $6,000 goal. So congratulations. You guys made it. Man, you guys were generous. You gave. And, uh, and several of you have, uh, have taken me up on this invitation to be a part of that. Even if you're just giving a dollar or $5 or something like that. And you feel like, oh, man, I know some people gave a lot more than that. Does my gift really matter? It does. You get to be a part of this house that we are building right here in our community for a family that needs it. And I would invite you to go ahead and, and keep giving because... Here's the thing, uh, I've, I've, we've told you before that there's a, there's a donor in our church who believes in this so strongly that they were willing to match the first $6,000 that people gave, and that's why that was our goal, was because we wanted to get every, every last bit of that. Uh, when we crossed that line, they said, well, you know what, we looked at our finances and we feel like we should give a little bit more, so if uh, we're willing to match up to $10,000 if people want to give that much, and um, so we're going to go ahead and stretch for $10,000. So if you haven't yet given, um, go ahead. Now's a good time. You can, you can, uh, if you're giving online, you can hit the little drop down and give to Habitat right there. Uh, if you're giving in the room, you can just write it on an envelope and uh, just write Habitat on your envelope before you drop it in. And uh, even if it's, you know, whatever size gift, I would love just to see all of us give something. Uh, even if you're putting a penny in that envelope, you're putting a dollar in that envelope, you get to be a part of the work that's being done. And I said it in an email that I sent out way too late in the week, so you probably won't see it until tomorrow. But uh, even if nobody gives another dollar to this thing, uh, we've succeeded. We, we hit our goal. We've given $6,000, which will turn into $12,000, which will then all get doubled again by Thrivent and turn into $24,000. I feel like it'd be fun to give a little bit more. So, you know, I'd rather see that $10,000 turn into $20,000 turn into $40,000. So if you want to give, awesome. That'd be great. Uh, we'd love to, to have you participate in this. And uh, as, as we're going to say in just a moment, because uh, we're, we're talking about this, you give what you've decided in your heart to give. There's no compulsion going on. There's no, there's no arm twisting. This is just an opportunity, and uh, we'd love for you to, to get a chance to be a part of it. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to tell you. I don't think I have anything on the screen, but uh, oh, on the back here, you can see, yeah, and I'm holding, I've got one right here to remind me. Well, what do you know? There's this little book staring at me. It says, come, peasant king. Um, it's a line from that uh, Christmas carol, come, peasant king, to own him. Um, talking about Jesus and his coming. That's what we uh, focus on for the season of Advent. Starts right after Thanksgiving. Starts that next Sunday, the last Sunday in, in November. And uh, we've got some little devotional books. If you want to grab one, uh, we've got enough for, for each family to take one. And uh, there are a whole bunch of them out there in the foyer. If for some reason 
I don't think, I think I've got enough out there to cover all of you in this service, so, uh, and probably the next service. And then we've got some more back in the office. But if for some reason that stack is gone as you're leaving, let me know. We've got more. Uh, but this is a little daily devotional guide that we will start on that Sunday, November 28th. Just wanted to make sure you had a chance to get it in your hand in case you're here this week and you're not going to be here the next couple of Sundays or something like that. I want to make sure you didn't miss it. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And there are other things happening uh, starting in December. Uh, there might be a, a fun concert thing happening here on December 1st. I know there's a Blues Project concert going to happen on the, the 21st, the longest night of the year. It's a good night to be singing the blues. And uh, so the Blues Project's actually going to be here. It's going to be a fundraiser for the youth group and for a nonprofit that they're selecting. And Anyway, so uh, if you want to put that on your calendar... Also, the week of December 5 to 11, we've nailed down that week is going to be the week that we're going to be hosting a family here, a family, maybe two families, through Family Promise. Uh, and so they're going to be here in the evenings, um, staying, sleeping in our church building on some air mattresses. And so we're going to need to volunteer uh, each night from Sunday night through Saturday night that week, December 5th through 11th, uh, a volunteer to stay the night that night, just in case anything happens, you know, just so that there's somebody they can turn to. Um, and, uh, and also somebody to bring like a dinner each of those nights and somebody to bring some breakfast stuff. We, we might be able to get away with just like bringing milk and cereal and having a lot of it. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, if you would like to help in some way during that week, uh, let me know. All right. So December 5th through 11th, uh, there are, uh, there are families in our town. It's, uh, I know, I know sometimes that's something that we, we don't think about. We, it's, it's easy for us to kind of ignore the fact that we've got neighbors who, when it's snowing out like it, like it did today, um, we have neighbors who don't have a home to live in, uh, who don't have a place to shelter. Uh, they might be living in a tent right now. They might be in their vehicle. They might be crashing at a friend's house, but they know they've got a limited amount of time they can stay there. And so if you would like to help us uh, provide some overnight shelter uh, to, to a family or two, um, let me know. Let us know. Write it on that Digital Connect card. Grab me after the service. Write it on one of those little green cards back there, and we'll, we'll plug you in. There's some little training stuff that you have some videos you have to watch, that kind of thing, um, to help you prepare. And uh, we've, we've done this kind of stuff for years, uh, years past. There's been a little gap here where we haven't done it because uh, all those groups were kind of in flux. All right, And it wasn't happening in churches, but now it's starting to happen again in churches. So uh, I'm excited for us to get back into that. All right. Uh, I mentioned, I think that was all I had to say as far as announcements go. Uh, I'm not seeing anybody saying, oh, oh, wait, you forgot this. So, all right, cool. Um, then you've got some, uh, some notes for this morning. And, uh, and again, we are talking about giving. We're talking about money and uh, how some of us can get stuck when it comes to, to our giving. We want to be generous. Uh, we want to be more generous, perhaps, than we have been. You want to give something substantial to that habitat thing, but you're like, oh, man, I feel stuck. I don't know that I can give or, or whatever. So we're, we're talking about that last week, this week, and next week. And, uh, and just to put all of you at ease, I'm going to... We're going to read together the, the kind of the theme verse. It's our theme verse on giving as a church overall. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Could we, could we read that together? Uh, I, I want to make sure you, you know this, you know, that this sinks in, that you believe that this really is our attitude toward giving here. All right, let's read this together. Each of you should give what you've decided. Okay, hang on. You're not reading it. You're not reading it. I mean out loud, like out loud with me, all right? Let's read it out loud together. Let's, let's, let's start over. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. 
Uh, God doesn't want you given because the pastor stood up and talked about it for three weeks in a row or because, you know, somebody twisted your arm or anything like that. God wants you to give because you see it's an opportunity, that it's something you get to participate in, and you're ready to participate in it. So you can be cheerful and generous like you want to be. Uh, that's the reminder I put at the beginning of your notes, that giving is an act of grace that we get to participate in. And uh, I'm just going to read some of those verses that we read last week from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. This is a key passage in Scripture, I think, when it comes to giving. And, uh, and he reminds us right up top uh, that this is an act of grace. Uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to these Christians in Corinth, says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That's what we talked about last week. This is a get-to kind of a thing. This is not a got-to. This is not, you don't give because it's like, well, God's making me give. If I don't, I'm going to be disappointing him or disobeying him or under a curse or something like that. We give. I, I hope your motivation for giving for you is like, this is something I get to do. Like these folks, they weren't giving and participating because they thought, uh-oh, we'll be in trouble if we don't. They were pleading with him, please, would you let us share in it? And I can just picture Paul saying, guys, guys, you don't have very much. You know, you, you, you're poor yourselves. You don't need to, you know, and they're saying, no, please, please let us give. Please let us participate. We want to be a part of this work. That's where it says in verse 5, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Saying this is something we can be good at, something we can excel at, and it's a gracious thing. It's God's grace at work in our lives that enables us to do this. But we have a choice of like just kind of just getting by at it, or we can actually like excel at it. You know, that's why this thing is this series is unstuck, getting good at generosity. Uh, there, are all, there are things that you like to be good at, right? And there are other things that you don't really mind being mediocre at, right? Or just bad at, right? Um, I'm guessing that's true for all of it. It's true for me, right? There are some things that like, uh, like, you know, I can sing okay, but I don't mind that I'm just like, I'm a decent singer. I, I don't want to be like an awesome singer, right? I don't want to be on the TV shows and all that kind of stuff where they're like, you know, the judges have to hit a button and, you know, like me or not like me or whatever, right? I don't want to do all that. I'm okay just kind of being where I don't spend time practicing. I don't spend time, you know. Some of you, you're, you're musicians. You're musical. You could, you could be up here, like, playing, but you know that you would have to do a little more practice, you know. You know that you would have to spend a little more time on it or something like that, you know. Um, we're we're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning about preparing and planning and all those kinds of things. He's saying there are things we can excel at or that we can just kind of sit back and be like, eh, I'm okay, you know. He's saying giving is one of those things. This is a, an act of grace, and we could excel at it. We could improve. We could get good at this thing. And it's a whole lot of fun when you get good at it. So he continues uh, on this theme. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Saying it's an act of grace when we empty ourselves, when we give of ourselves for the sake of someone else. Jesus did this for us. We have an opportunity to do this for others. So he says, and here is my judgment about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. And that's an important little part there, isn't it? According to your means. 
That's why I put this next line in bold. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. This is another one of those pressures off kind of verses there, right? It's like if you're willing and you're wanting to participate, God isn't expecting you to give something you don't have. He's expecting you just to to draw from what you actually have, what's been entrusted to you. That's what you're basing this on. It's according to your means, not someone else's means. Someone who's got a whole lot more than you and, you know, all that stuff. It's according to your means. So then the next chapter, uh, he says, partway through, he says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So there we get a little bit of a hint of when he, when he talks about, like, not wanting a gift to be done reluctantly or under compulsion. He's saying it could be, you could give grudgingly because, like, you weren't ready to give. Right? Like you wanted to give and like, oh, I could give. And oh, I promised I would. And okay, so here, fine. But oh, man, now I, I kind of messed everything up because I forgot about it and I wasn't prepared. And he doesn't want them to have those kinds of emotions attached to giving at all. He says, you guys planned to give. You, you promised you would. So I'm sending these guys to you so that when I show up, it's just ready. Right? And you can give generously. You can be excited about it. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's talking about, you know, the regular farming stuff that they were very familiar with. You throw out five seeds and maybe get five plants. You throw out 500 seeds, you might get, you know, hundreds of plants. You're going to have a much more generous harvest. So he says, each of you, and he says, that's up to you to decide. Are you throwing out a few seeds or a lot of seeds? Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that, you might underline the, the so that there. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. It says God is the one who blesses us. He, he actually says that in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Talking about God here. He will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that Oh, there's another one of those so that's. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As we saw last week, that's what he was talking about, this collection for the Lord's people in another part of the Mediterranean world. They're going through great difficulty. And so as he's traveling around, he's saying, hey, guys, we're, we're taking an offering back to help meet their need. If you have extra that you can share with part of the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters back there in, in the Jerusalem area, uh, you know, please participate. And so he's saying their generosity as they take this gift back to Jerusalem, is going to result in thanksgiving to God. People are going to be giving thanks to God because they were part of an answer to prayer. It's God who provides this for us so that we will have all that we need, so that we'll be able to, be, to abound in every good work, so that we can be generous on every occasion. This is why God entrusts this stuff to us. That's a basic underlying uh, framework in Scripture for our stuff, is that our stuff is not ultimately our stuff. Right? It belongs to God. He entrusts it to us for a little while, and, and he's the one that wants to direct what we do with it. How much of it we keep for ourselves, how much of it we give to others. Um, that's why Jesus felt no uh, um, hesitation about saying to that, that rich young guy, like, oh, you want to follow me? Well, you need to sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Because Jesus is the owner of all that stuff, so he can tell him like, what to do with his stuff. Because It's not really his stuff, right? It's God's stuff. And so God can tell us what he wants us to do with his stuff that's been entrusted to us for this brief time that we have here. And he will provide for us, you know, so that we can abound in every good work, so that we can have all that we need, so that we can be generous. God will provide, and we 
just participate. All right. Now, he'd mentioned this, this whole collection in his first letter to them. This is from 2 Corinthians. In your Bibles, there's a, there's a 2 Corinthians and a 1 Corinthians. And in his first letter, uh, I just included the, the couple verses where he mentions this. In chapter 16, he says, Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come to collect, so when I come, no collections will have to be made. So, so that when I come, it'll just be ready. And like he was saying earlier, like, I'm sending these guys ahead to make sure you've been doing this, you know, just to make sure you've been setting it aside, saying, just, just do this, plan on this. You, you know I'm going to come back. And so each week, in keeping with your income, set aside whatever you've decided in your heart to give, you know, so that when I come, we don't have to make a big collection. It can just be there. It can be ready to go. In other words, he's saying, if you want to give generously, if you want to give cheerfully, there's some planning that's involved. There's some pre- preparing that's involved. And that's what I want to talk about uh, this morning with the rest of this, is that getting good at generosity means that you do some planning. You do some preparation, right? That's like the practice that these musicians do to, to be able to get up here. You know, Joe is up here, you know, strumming away on that guitar, and I've never learned how to do the guitar thing. You know, I had piano lessons when I was a kid, and, and the reason that ultimately my parents were willing to, like, drop the piano lessons is because I never practiced in between, right? I sat down at the piano when the teacher was there. I did my little stuff, and then instead of practicing every day in between, like I was told to, like I probably said I would, I don't remember, um, I was little, um, I didn't do it. So did I get better? Well, a tiny bit, because I was getting about, you know, a half an hour of practice every couple of weeks when the teacher would come by, you know, but that was all I was improving. I wasn't preparing. I wasn't, I wasn't getting any better. Um, you know, some of these, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, I didn't ask Joe ahead of time. I'm guessing he, he has practiced these songs before he got up here and played them this morning. I know they ran through them this morning. I'm guessing they've actually practiced them at some point. And now I know I'm not, not putting you on the spot because I'm not going to ask, like, how much time do you spend? But you know what Joe has done? He has prepared for moments like this by years of practice and playing and, you know, reading music so that, so that sometimes, I, like I know Dave is sitting back there. Hi, Dave. You know, when Dave gets up here and plays guitar, uh, he often hasn't gone and practiced those songs over and over and over again. But he's got a lifetime of playing the guitar and preparing so that he can just, like, follow along and play some really cool stuff that sounds good, you know? That's why a lot of times when Dave's up here, you'll see him kind of watching whoever's, like, the lead guitarist because he's watching, like, oh, where are we going with this? What's, what chord's next? Oh, okay, that's where he's going. And he can flow right into it because he's prepared for that moment by all that preparation he's done over years and years of getting comfortable with the instrument, comfortable with how to play. Getting good at generosity is similar, you know. Uh, we all know that this is how it works, right? Whether it's a sport, whether it's a skill that you use in your job, whether it's music, whatever it is that you do, if you work at it, if you prepare, you, you can be ready for those moments by the, by the time you put in, by the planning that you've done, by the practice that you've done ahead of time. Practice is another good P word I could have put in there, huh? I'm not good at making all those alliteration things. So anyway... I was just thinking about planning, preparation, being, being ready for those giving moments. And there's a couple of uh, bits from, uh, uh, from the book of Proverbs there in Scripture. Uh, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, we've got this, this book of just wise sayings, and a couple of them have to do with this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 21, it's actually a whole lot more than a couple. Sorry if you're not familiar with the book. If you ever read it, there's a whole lot of stuff in there about, about being wise with money. Um, but in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, he says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. A little contrast. Like we could be wise with our stuff or we could be foolish. And 
And I love this translation because the whole gulp there's down thing. It's like the wise people, like they set some aside. They don't just eat everything that comes in the door, right? They've, they've got some choice food, some oil, olive oil, some of the stuff. They've got, they've got stuff in their pantry. They're, they're prepared in case they're going to be hosting a party or something like that. They're ready, you know. But fools, they just gulp it all down. And I love that imagery because this idea of consuming, you know, like we live in a consumer economy, a consumer-driven society, right? Almost all the commercials you see on TV, if you watch TV still, uh, or that pop up before your YouTube show or whatever, you know, they're almost all consumer-driven, right? You know, buy this, drink this, you replace that car, you know, consume it, use it up, get a new one. Um, that's like drives our economy, is, is the expectation that we're just going to kind of gulp things down and always buy something new. And then gulp that down and buy something new. Like the, the idea that we would actually save and actually prepare for the future or get something that's going to last, you know, more than the year it takes for it to break and then have to replace it. Um, that's not normal in a consumer society. Same, but we could be wise. We could prepare for those moments, uh, whether it's preparing for the future financially, you know, putting enough aside savings-wise to prepare for when the tires have to be replaced on the car or to prepare for when the water heater goes out or to prepare for retirement or a health need or a job loss. These are things we could prepare for if we're wise or we could be foolish and just spend everything that we get. That's another translation of this, just spend everything they get. And I thought, oh, I like the gulp it down image. I like the consuming image. Uh, in another part of Proverbs in, in chapter 6, he says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Uh, learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. This is a favorite of pastors who talk about money, is to, to do this ants one. Um, I'm not sure if it's because they're calling us lazy bones or just the, the idea that, like, who hasn't, like, watched ants at some point on the sidewalk? Um, and and so I'm like, man, where are they going? How did they, or, or in your house, how did they get in here? What are they going for, you know? Uh, oh, there's crumbs. Oh, man, clean up the crumbs, kids. Uh, you watch the ants, and yeah, they're, they're preparing for the future. And we could learn from those ants. I, I think we're all smarter than ants. I, I think we could do this. Um, and so uh, I've suggested before like a, a 10 10 80 plan, and I heard somebody with a different plan that, uh, recently that I thought, oh, I like this one too. The, the 10 10 80 plan is like you got 100% of your income, you know, and 10% you give to God or to whatever you're giving to, to other people, to people in need. If you want to give that 10% to the church, that's all. That's what we grew up doing with the tithing thing. We give that first 10% to God uh, through the church and then other things we want to give to other places. But, but it, you know, 10% that you give away, 10% that you save for the future, and 80% that you live on and enjoy. Well, I heard somebody, uh, I've, I've been here for the last few years, that like, man, that 10% saving for the future is, is, is not enough. If you're because these days you probably don't have a pension plan you know provided by your work you probably have to be socking money away in a retirement account or something like that and and, uh, and so I heard somebody with this 10 20 30 40 plan I thought oh I like that you know that again it's got that 10 percent that you give and but then 20 percent that you save and you could divide that in two little buckets 10 percent for short term 10 percent for long term so like 10 percent is going into like retirement or whatever but which might not be enough, but still, uh, 10% like for the short-term stuff, like saving for when the tires need replaced or paying off that credit card or whatever it might be. You know, that, that for the shorter term, just saving for some, some more short-term need and 10% is going for like a longer-term thing. And then I've been hearing for the last several years that I've become more aware of like the housing affordability issues that we face uh, here in our community and across the United States, that really we shouldn't be spending more than 30% of our income on housing. That if, you, if you're spending more than that, 
either whether it's rent and all the associated housing costs or whether it's mortgage and maintenance and all the things you pay when you own a house, if you're paying more than 30% on housing, then you eventually will become like house poor. You'll, you'll have so much money every month going out for housing that you won't have enough to do the other things that you want to do. That's one of those situations where the choices that we make can kind of have lasting impacts, right? We, we get ourselves into a lease or we get ourselves into a mortgage and then we're like, oh man, uh, and a whole lot of people bumped into this, right? Back in, was it 2008? Was that when everything went, wasn't that, wasn't that 2008? No, a whole bunch of people found themselves owing more on their houses than they were worth. They had overextended themselves. So this 10, 20, 30, 40 plan says, okay, 10% you're going to give away, 20% you're going to save for short-term and long-term stuff, 30% you're probably going to spend on housing somewhere in that neighborhood, hopefully. You can get to that point, and 40% then is to enjoy for all the rest. Now, this is assuming you've got income, right? And I mentioned last week we've got folks in the church across the spectrum from folks who have absolutely nothing coming in. It's like, okay, great, I'll give 10% of the zero I have coming in. There you go, here it is, you know, an empty envelope, you know. Um, We've got folks who have absolutely nothing coming in to folks who are underemployed, folks who are fully employed, folks who are between jobs, folks who are retired and doing great, folks who are retired and struggling, folks who are living on disability or other forms of assistance. We've got everything present in this church just like it's present in our community. And so you have to tailor these kinds of things to your situation. But the idea is, if we're going to get good at generosity, we, we have to like do some thinking ahead of time. We can't just wait until that moment when you hear the, the opportunity and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, what do I have, what do I have in, my, in my pocket? And it's like, no, let's, let's plan ahead. Let's, let's think about this. I'm reminded, I, I didn't include this one in here, but of the the verse where Jesus says you can't serve two masters, you know, you'll, you'll hate one and, and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He said, you just can't serve two. You can't serve both God and money. He said, like, money will try to be your master. Money will try to tell you where it needs to go. You know, money will try to be the boss and say, oh, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And the idea is, no, no, if God's going to be our master, then money needs to, needs to be a servant. Money needs to serve you as you serve God. You know, you, God's telling you what to do, and you tell that money where it needs to go. Not, don't let your money tell you where, it, where it's going, right? You find out where it's going, and then you redirect it, right? You undo some of the bad choices that you might have made that have put you in a bind, that have made so you can't be as generous as you want to be, where, where you're feeling the pinch, uh, you know, month after month, and you're struggling to save enough, or you're struggling to give what you want to give. Like, most of these are choices that can be undone if we're willing to do it, if we're willing to bite the bullet. So here's just a, a, a one possible, you know, approach that says, okay, I'm going to plan in advance what, what I do with my money so that I can be prepared when the moment comes, so that I'm, so that I'm not um, caught off guard, so that I'm not stuck giving something grudgingly or, you know, unhappily or something, so I can give freely and generously, so I can be prepared in that moment to, to give what I feel like God would have me give. Uh, the story that's been coming to mind, and I don't have this, so if you want to skip that next passage to the, that little mention, the example in my mind uh, this past week has been the story of the Samaritan that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10. Um, we call him the good Samaritan, right? Jesus tells the story about the guy who gets waylaid by robbers on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and the, and the priest comes and doesn't help him, and the Levite, the temple uh, you know, official comes by and doesn't help him, and then the Samaritan comes by, and the Samaritans, you know, nobody likes Samaritans, and so uh, nobody expects he's going to be the good guy, but he's the good guy of the story. He stops. He bandages the guy's wounds. He, he puts medicine, or I guess wine and wine? Wine and oil? I can't remember. Anyway, the stuff they used for medicine when they didn't have anything else, the, his first aid kit, he uses that on the guy. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to, a, to an inn, and he cares for him. 
and that night and the next morning gives, uh, I think the scriptures say two denarii, it's like two days wages to the innkeeper and says, hey, take care of this guy. I'm going to be, when I come back through, I'll settle up with you and anything else that I owe you, I'll, I'll help take care of. And Jesus holds him up as an example of what it means to love your neighbor. Like this is what love of neighbor looks like. One of the two big commandments. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the story he tells to explain the love your neighbor part. Now, this Samaritan, we, we don't know much about him. He was traveling. He had some resources, and he was willing to share them. In that moment, he was prepared. He had resources. He was ready. I don't know where he was headed, but he took the time. He had evidently built enough margin into his schedule that he could, you know, stop and help the guy. He wasn't like, oh, I'm running late. Can't stop and help. Oh, I hope somebody else does. No, he had, he had enough flexibility, he had built enough time into his life that he could stop and help. He'd built enough margin into his financial life. Maybe he had planned ahead. Maybe, maybe this was money he was planning to, to give to help something. And he was just like, okay, God, whatever you want me to, to do with this money, I'm going to give it to help somebody. I'm, you know, I feel like you've told me I, I want this money to go toward helping others. I'm going to give this money away. You just show me where to give it. And what do you know? Here's an opportunity. He was prepared in that moment to give so that when he was moved with compassion... He was ready to love this neighbor in need. And wouldn't you love to, to live that way? Wouldn't you love to, to live where like, yeah, I'm prepared. I've, I've, I know there are going to be opportunities, and so I've just kind of set this money aside. You know, just like he told those uh, Galatian churches and the Corinthian churches to do, I just regularly set some money aside knowing I'm going to give that away. That's money that, God, I'm going to give. And maybe you give it to the, here to the church. Those of you who do, thank you, bless you. You know, uh, But maybe... You know, maybe in addition to that, or maybe instead of that, you've got money that you feel like, okay, God, I'm going to give this to something. You just show me where you want me to give it. And then you have that friend who has a need, or then you bump into that stranger, or then you hear about how you can help build a house for Habitat or provide clean water or whatever it might be, and you think, ah, oh. and God says, yeah, that's it. And you're like, oh, okay, great. And you're excited to give. You can give cheerfully and generously. Now, one thing that uh, people have noticed over the years as uh, as um, like as missionaries travel into new places or as people come to faith in Christ in general, uh, whether it's in a, but it's especially been noticed in like new places where the, the good news of Jesus uh, enters into a community and, and it has a transforming effect on our lives, right? I mean, we become more responsible people. We become people who, who live with integrity. We, we start keeping our promises and, and, uh, and we start, you know, so like in the world of business, in the world of like society, things start to shift as people's lives get transformed by Jesus. And one of those areas has to do with finances, and they've noticed that in communities where the, the good news of Jesus comes, uh, people's wealth tends to increase. Um, now, maybe it's because uh, people who are struggling get, get help, you know, that they wouldn't have otherwise had. So they don't fall through the cracks. They actually get, get help and they can recover more quickly. And, and maybe it's because people are actually keeping their word and so not as much money is lost and people swindling people out of stuff or, or uh, not fulfilling their contracts or those sorts of things. But they've noticed that the wealth of those communities tends to increase and the struggle in those communities then oftentimes has been that like their, their uh, standard of living increases and it can be challenging them to keep giving like they want to give because you can't serve both God and money and sometimes people get lured away toward like, oh, this is mine. Oh, I can get something nicer. And oh, hey, this is, this is kind of good. And more and more of their plan gets chewed up by that enjoy piece and less and less gets put in the give piece. 
That's why I wanted to share this, this little bit from 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's the Apostle Paul talking to this young man uh, who is then instructing others. He's, Timothy is one of those that you just mentioned him earlier. As he travels around, sometimes he leaves Timothy in a place to continue instructing people. And he says to him, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Again, it's this idea that what we have has been entrusted to us. We didn't bring it with us. We're not taking it with us when we go. It's just been entrusted to us during this time. So we'll be content with what we have. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. He's like, you run away from this. Now, I mention this because if I'm talking about like, hey, we should be saving for the future. Hey, we should be wise with our money. Hey, we shouldn't just consume all that we have. We should actually you know, like live below our means and set money aside. And There's a risk associated with that, a spiritual risk associated with that. And that's why I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. Because I don't want to see any of you get caught up in it. I don't want to get ensnared by it. You know, and I could be. I don't want to get caught like thinking, oh, no, this is, God, you entrusted this to me just for me. No, no. What were some of those so that's again? God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, sure, you'll abound in every good work. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, it's true. There's there's an enjoyment part of that. You know, that's the reason I put enjoy next to that 40%, because God wants us to enjoy what he entrusts to us. But that can't be all that we do. So continuing with that, that passage from 1 Timothy, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it, but you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. You can't, can't let that enjoyment suck you into because that's what he's, he's just warning him. There's a temptation. There's a, there can be a trap there. And that's why he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is what I want for all of us. I want every single one of us to be in a place, whatever your situation is, and for some of you, it's going to be a much bigger percentage of your income. It's going to be a much bigger dollar figure than for others. For some of you, it's going to be like you're setting aside a dollar. You're setting aside $5. You're setting aside something to just say, okay, God, I want to be generous with this. You show me who needs this $5 more than I do. I've mentioned it before. Some of the most striking examples of generosity I've seen in this church have been from folks who were homeless, folks who were on disability, people who had very little. And they're, (laughs) yeah, you know, they, they, they get $20 from somebody to help them. And they turn around and they give that $20 to somebody else that they think needs it more than they do. And they're homeless. I see that kind of thing. And I think, oh, God. (laughs) What do you expect of me? With all that you've entrusted to me. Please, God, can you help me to be as generous as as this woman just was? As this person just was? Can you help me to live as as free of the control of money? I don't want to try to serve two masters, God. But instead, it would, it's a beautiful thing when we can be prepared, when we can plan ahead, when we can be prepared to just be ready to be generous with what God has given us. That is a beautiful thing. Let me, let me pray for us before we celebrate God's rich generosity toward us in the celebration of communion. Thank you, God.
for the great love you've shown us, the, great, the, the way you have been so generous in giving of yourself to us. Boy, we have been so richly blessed as individuals, as a, as a society, as a nation. I mean, when we think globally, God, and, and the struggles that some of our, our brothers and sisters have in other places where they walk for miles to get water that we wouldn't wash our cars with, and that's the only water they have, and then here we are just like, you know, turning on the tap. God, we are so blessed. You, you have been so good to us. Would you please, would you guide us? Would you speak to us? Would you help us not to fall into the trap of thinking this is all just for us? But would you help us to find, well, would you help us to listen to you? Would you help us to pay attention so that as you lead us, we can give what you tell us to give. We can be responsible and save what we need to save. We, we can be responsible with the rest and enjoy it and be good with it. Thank you, God. Thank you for your rich generosity toward us. And, and God, I thank you again that I get to be a pastor of such a generous church. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us. That this, would, that this wouldn't be the kind of topic that, that ties us up in knots. That this wouldn't be the kind of thing that, that stresses us out or freaks us out. But that, God, you would guide us and that you would help us to, to follow your guidance so that we can get to a place where this is something that just brings us joy. Where we get to give cheerfully. Where we get to celebrate the ways that we uh, can, can do good in the world. The, the difference we can make. We can join with the recipients in giving thanks to you that we get to participate in this amazing grace of giving. Thank you, God. Thank you again for your generous love for us. You gave it all, Lord Jesus, out of love for us. And we celebrate that today in this sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these simple gifts of, of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering that you gave your life for us, Lord Jesus. When you were celebrating that Passover meal with your disciples, you, you reimagined it. Jesus, you took the bread and gave it to them and said, eat this, this is my body broken for you. You took the cup and said, drink this, this is my blood poured out for you, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. Just as, God, you had rescued your people from slavery in Egypt you know, hundreds of years earlier, Jesus, you reimagined this meal as something celebrating you setting us free from slavery to sin, to selfishness, to fear of death, all those ways that the devil has us enslaved. You came to set us free, and you did so by giving it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus out of love for us, you were willing to go to that cross to let your body be broken, to pour out that blood, to give your life for us, for me. Today, God, we offer you ourselves out of gratitude. And we pray that you would forgive our sins, that you would transform our hearts and lives, every area of life, including the financial part of our lives that you would do your transforming work by your Holy Spirit so that we can be a people who are ready to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, God. Thank you for being so rich in grace toward us. Thank you 
that in Christ's death and resurrection, you defeated the powers of sin and death, and you set us free. So help us to live free. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, the high stars are going to come and, and lead us in one last song as we prepare to celebrate communion. Uh, I'll be up here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice if you would like. Uh, if you're saying yes to Jesus today and, and you would like, you can, you can join the procession and come forward as we sing. Take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free and, and the little cups if, if you'd prefer. Uh, or if you don't want to, uh, to come forward, those little cups are on the tables. And uh, we're trying to be sensitive to everybody's, everybody's needs here uh, during this whole, whole funny COVID season. So, um, yeah, feel free to, to receive the bread and juice that way if you'd like. Um, this is an opportunity for us to give thanks to God for the great love he's shown us in Jesus Christ. So let's celebrate. Thank you, God, for being so generous with your grace, with your love, with the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would fill us with the Spirit of Christ. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Give us those nudges and help us to prepare so that when you nudge us, we are ready, ready to share with others what you have shared with us. You are so good. We are so grateful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.